Welcome to Road to the Cup here on ESPN LA. I am your host, Dave Denholm. We are going to be with you throughout the entire World Cup 2022 in Qatar. We had a busy first day in the World Cup with one game, but it just felt big. That match in Group A between Ecuador and Qatar, of course, we'll be breaking that down. we got sound from Greg Berhalter coming up. We're going to be talking with Sean Johnson, U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper, as well as Josh Gross. And just so much more as we take a look at Group B as well. Games coming up tomorrow in Group B, including the United States men's national team. We do start with the first match of the tournament, Qatar the host. No host had ever lost in the first match of the World Cup until today. Ecuador, the South South American qualifiers at a Conmebol Bowl, looked really good. A 2-0 victory, comprehensive. But it really, this game got away from Qatar in the first 10-15 minutes, didn't it? They just did not look like they were ready to play. They were too amped up. And in fairness, there's tremendous pressure on the host team. Always. We talked about it back in 1994 before many of you were born when the United States hosted for what what will be now the first time they hosted. And tremendous pressure on Qatar. And they they just wilted early. They're not that bad. Now people will look at this match and be like, oh, Qatar is terrible. They're going to be Senegal and Netherlands better be ready. Because if they drop anything to Qatar, their World Cup's probably in deep trouble. I don't expect Qatar to get out of this group by any means. And Ecuador fully deserved the 2-0 win. They were all over Qatar in those early minutes and really put the pressure on El Shib, the goalkeeper, and the defense, and really just kind of took the game away from Qatar. But when you do that, you have to score. And the first goal they got was called back on some weird VAR. We I guess it was offside. If you really, if you wind the, if you wind the tape back far enough, there's an offside somewhere there. So VAR took that one off the board, and but that didn't throw off Ecuador. Now that because that can happen. Ecuador comes out on the front foot playing very well, and if you don't get that first goal, and if you allow Qatar to kind of get into the match and still nil nil, that can be trouble. I wasn't really. On, I'll be honest. With you, I wasn't expecting a massive blowout by any means, but this was kind of a two nil blowout. Now, that's not to say Qatar maybe didn't have a chance here and there. Yeah, a couple of half chances. End of the first half, boy, they had a real good chance. Everybody thought it might have been offside, but he wasn't. And Ali just missed a header right in the middle. That Ecuador's defense in the middle of the defense just broke down. And if he puts that in, and all of a sudden Qatar's feeling great about the next 45 minutes coming out of the locker room, that might have been the last touch of the first half had he scored uh, other than a restart. So... And they had one chance late in the match, certainly, and a couple of half chances here and there. But really, uh, Ecuador may end up ruining the fact they didn't win 4-0. That may end up being a problem if Qatar just packs it in here. I don't think that's going to happen out of this Qatari team. I really don't. They're not that bad. They played badly today, and they deserve to lose. But I do think the moment just got the better of them. They've been building for this for 12 years. This Qatari team has been together for months on end. It's almost like that wasn't a good thing in a, way, a weird way. They didn't play with their, you know, we heard it on the Fox broadcast. John, uh, John and, uh, and, and Stu really outlined it well. Like, Qatar specifically kept these players out of their club teams. They were together for these several months getting ready, right? It might not have been the best idea. Now, you don't know that until it happens and you think it's a good idea maybe to, you know, when Ecuador has days to get ready and you've had months. But I don't, it just seemed like they were too jazzed up too freaked out, and Ecuador kind of kept their head. And I think really what happened, I think it helped that Ecuador scored that goal, even though it was called back on VAR and it was tight. It probably was offside. 
But even though it was called back, I think it kind of settled Ecuador in. And then to get the penalty call. By the way, the player of the match for me, not Enter Valencia. Two nice goals, make no mistake. He's a good player. He's been red hot in Turkey. Player of the match was Sebastian Mendes from LAFC. Utterly dominant, Seb Mendes. He actually, if you go back, roll back on the penalty, his pass, his tackle pass started that penalty. He started the first goal that resulted in a foul that didn't actually happen. The VAR one pulled back. Didn't matter. He starts the second goal, which counts on a PK. He helped create that PK. He was all over. Yeah, he got a shady yellow card that, woof, boy, Seb, that was that was orange, baby, in the second half. He seemed like he might have tired on that tackle. But Mendez played phenomenally. Moises Caicedo gets all the love because he's a little more attacking, and he plays in the Premier League, so everybody's like, oh, he's great. And Moises Caicedo was a great player. He played very well for Ecuador. The player of the match was Sebastian Mendez. For LAFC. I mean, there's no no two ways about it. He was utterly dominant. Qatar had no answer there through the midfield. And Mendez really helped set up a chokehold on this match early and often. And it just gave Qatar no life. Now, again, to Qatar's credit, they kept it at 2-0. It was was a a fully deserved 2-0. But that game could have been 5-0 if Qatar would have quit. There is no quit in a home team in a first match, certainly. Now it's a matter of how they respond in their next couple of matches against Senegal, then the Netherlands. Obviously, that's going to make Qatar's World Cup. If they let this bother them so badly that they just don't come out and perform well, shame on them. That doesn't mean they're going to get out of the group now. The, the odds are stacked against them. But you just got to come out and perform. And if you got to play a little spoiler and see what happens in the second match, right? Maybe you, you nick a win, right? You never know. Go out and play. But for Ecuador, I think Ecuador, the biggest question I had, and I even tweeted out before the match. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Talk Soccer, with all your thoughts about this show, Road to the Cup. Anything you want to talk about with me at soccer, at Talk Soccer, if you're not already following me there. The biggest thing I had questions about with Ecuador is actually scoring goals. Now, I know Enter Valencia was red hot in Turkey, and he's a good player. He is a fine player. It's really the surrounding cast getting him the ball enough that I was a little concerned about with Ecuador. They've been kind of dry offensively. Defensively, they're rock solid. And that starts really up front. They play good defense up front, Valencia included. So they defend all over the pitch. I don't have any problems with Ecuador's defense. I was a little concerned about goal scoring. Now, again, a 2-0 win is a very solid win, a nice start. But they got work to do, too especially against the Netherlands in the second game, because if you come out and fall on your face in game two, then game one is a distant memory. If you may need a result, let's say, against Senegal. So there's still work to be done for Ecuador. I think it was a great first match for them just to get going and get over the nerves. You know, we talk about the home team so much and how nervous they are and how so tremendous pressure. There's a ton of pressure on the team that plays the home team in the first match. They never win until today. So you're almost behind the eight ball your whole tournament right from the jump, right? Because everybody talks about how crucial the first game is in the World Cup. You get saddled with having to play in front of the home crowd. That's tough. And Ecuador Ecuador fully deserved a nice victory that they got. And full credit to them. So moving on, game uh, two of Group A, which they were supposed to play on the same day, but Ecuador petitioned to have this day as their own. And rightfully so. They're the host. Always should have been that way. But in any event, Netherlands takes on Senegal in the middle of two Group B matches. Now, speaking of Group B, baby, I waited this long. We're almost eight minutes into the show. The U.S. men's national team got drawn into a pretty good group, Group B. England, Wales, Iran, and the United States. 
And uh, here's Greg Berhalter talking about uh, they got a young team. Make no mistake, and it's going to be difficult to get out of this group. We can say anything we want. I can give them any type of experience that I've had, but I know this group, and they're not really going to know until the whistle blows against Wales, and that's going to be part of it. Um, you know, we're, we're sticking to the values of who we are in the t- as a team, what we want to accomplish in this tournament, and, and then we, um, we get ready to go. We know that World Cup games are highly competitive. We know that winning World Cup games are very difficult. And, um, you know, that's going to set the stage for how we compete in this tournament. That's Greg Berhalter, U.S. Men's National Team Manager. He named officially Tyler Adams as captain today. No surprise there. That was the news out of the U.S. Men's camp. Adams deserves that. He's a bulldog with leads. He's a bulldog with the U.S. He's the perfect kind of guy you want as the captain. He never quits. He never quits on a play. He never quits on a match. He never quits on anything. And not that I expect anybody to quit, but he's always going, and he's always on. And look, the United States so young. Are they going to make mistakes? Yes, they're the youngest team in the tournament. But they're one of the most talented. They really are. Now, that again, piecing it together over three matches in a tough group and then over, what, seven matches to win the whole thing, and that's hard to do for any team. Only one team's going to come out of here winning. But the United States are really loaded talent-wise. Again, I don't know how much it's going to fit because a lot of these guys have suffered, you know, struggled with injuries. We know Gio Reyna is super talented. Do we know he's going to play a lot of minutes and not get hurt? Eh, you know, do, do we know Christian Pulisic is going to have the best week of his life or best three weeks of his life? Maybe. I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, he's a great player, though. He's talented. Yunus Musa. I mean, the list goes on. This is the most talented team the U.S. has ever had. We've had good teams before, very underrated teams before. We've had very talented teams before. This top to bottom is the best, most talented team. That doesn't mean they're going to play the best, right? And I think that's the big question about Group B. Group B, to me, really hinges on the United States. I know what England is. I know England is a very prohibitive favorite to get out of the group. They will. I know England could actually make a run in this thing. Will they win? No, probably not. But do can they make a run? Would you be shocked if England made a run in this tournament? No. I know Wales is scrappy, has a lot of talent, very good team. I know Iran is very tough to break down. Best team in Asia by far. Uh, you know, people will point to South Korea and Japan just because. I guess people, I guess, kind of have, you know, they've been the historically better than most Asian sides and have done well in, you know, World Cup games as well, Japan, South Korea. Iran is far superior to those two. We got the worst of it in the U- with the U.S. in terms of getting an Asian team in your group. And that's not to say Japan and South Korea would be easy. They're going to have plenty to say in this World Cup. But Iran is just the best team in Asia, for my money. Defensively, Carlos Quiroz is a good manager. We know all about him. This is a tough, tough draw for the United States. Speaking of tough groups, how about Group C with Mexico, El Tri? They're going to have to try to handle Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Poland. You can be a part of watching those matches. Soccer watch parties brought to you by ESPN LA and our good friends at Estrella Jalisco. Go on out. Mexico versus Poland. Two locations we're having parties at. First one in Covina at Ola Restobar and at Biggs in Fullerton. And again, all of that is Tuesday that's November 22nd, coming up here in Group C. You can watch El Tree take on Poland. They'll have watch parties for all those matches in the group stage, including against Argentina on November 26th, all brought to you by our good friends at Estrella Jalisco. Again, check them out, Mexico versus Poland, watch parties on the 22nd, Ola Restobar and Biggs 
in Fullerton. You'll want to be a part of that, no doubt. You're going to want to be a part of this next segment. Sean Johnson, U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper, joins us from Qatar right here on the Road to the Cup. Dave Dunholm and you on ESPN LA. It's Road to the Cup on ESPN LA, 710 AM. Dave Dunholm with you. And joining us now, we are really honored to have a special guest he is a goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team in Doha. And, of course, also for NYCFC, for all of us MLS faithful out there, he is Sean Johnson. Sean, thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Sean, what, first and foremost, for a fan, as we get ready for this, what is Qatar like? What has it been like for you guys? Yeah, um, Qatar's been great, you know. Uh, I think the reception's been amazing uh, since we really touched down here last Wednesday, um, you know, flew directly over after the roster reveal, um, was welcomed with open arms, um, great reception at the hotel as well. So, um, you know, really, um, you know, great things to say about our time so far. Um, been able to, to kind of cruise uh, here a couple days off and, and check out some, some different areas and, and things like that. But it's, uh, it's been good. It's been good. I think there's a genuine excitement from the guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been a, been a terrific experience so far. Sean, you are a seasoned veteran, of course. Uh, been around at MLS a long time. You've got 10 caps. What is your role, do you feel, for this team, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch as well? Yeah, I think, you know, being with, being with this group for, for quite a bit now, you know, um, since the really the start of the cycle with, with Greg and integrating with this group, um, you know, I think we've, we've built a, a special bond, um, you know, first and foremost as, as, a, as a team. And individually, it's always been my, my goal to, to do whatever I can and necessary to, to help the group, whether that's on the pitch, off the pitch. Um, and, you know, obviously he's, a, he's one of the older guys on the team, um, you know, assuming a leadership, helping to share some of my experiences of, you know, my 13 years as a professional and I think 11 years now with the national team, uh, 12 years of the national team. Um, just with the guys, I think has been, um, you know, uh, a special, special moment for me. You know, I think uh, as many experiences I've had, uh, I've been you know, close, close to being on the 2014 World Cup roster. I'm obviously missing out on the 2018 World Cup. You know, and then now being here in this this present moment, being a part of uh, the World Cup roster and the World Cup team representing the United States, I think is uh, is a dream come true. Yeah, I would say so. That is awesome. And speaking of that, it is a dream come true for uh, for you, obviously. What was it like to officially get that call from Greg that you were going to be part of this team? Oh man, it was uh, it was a very very special moment for me. <laughs> um, super super emotional. You know, I think obviously with the lead up to that moment, um, you know, all things considered, we were down in Dallas in a, in a pre pre camp and uh, a training camp there beforehand and. Um, you know, you work your entire life for the for the moment to to be in a position where you're even considered for the World Cup roster. Um, and you know, I've been there before, right on the right on the fringe, and to to get a call, um, you know, from the head coach from Greg, and um, you know, get that that nod um, that I was going to Qatar and that I'd be on the the World Cup team representing the United States. I think, um, yeah, just a, a super emotional moment. I was able to to share that with with uh with my family um and uh, excited to continue sharing that with them as you know they just got here to Qatar as well um so excited to to have them here and, and able to to experience this journey with me as well yeah that's amazing no doubt we're talking with US men's national team goalkeeper Sean Johnson of course he's also with NYCFC and that's kind of my next question Sean no disrespect to your NYCFC teammates but you're an obvious number 1 you play virtually every minute for your your club 
What is that like then to have to kind of, you know, be in a battle, if you will, with the U.S. men's national team? You're always pushing each other to be more successful. As you said, you're all about the team, but you are in a battle. Obviously, you want to play. What's that like to go from like that decided number one player, like so many guys are, that come into a national team, and then they have to really earn it again? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I think it's important to, to realize, you know, yeah, obviously in soccer, there's one goalkeeper that can play, and whether it's club or for country, there's always competition, there's healthy competition, and um, you want that. You know, it's, it's better for better for players, it's better for better for the group. Um, I think it pushes everybody forward. So, um, you know, establishing yourself as, as number one for club um, doesn't necessarily mean there's not competition, and you know, you don't have to continue to fight for that every single day. And I think that mentality. I think, you know, we have, you know, three uh, amazing goalkeepers that work well together. We've spent a lot of time together and push each other and we've all played games and contributed to the success of this team. So we'll continue to push each other moving forward. Um, and then ultimately we're all, you know, uh, willing and prepared to do anything we can. I think in the world cup, um, you know, it's an experience that you, you don't take for granted. And ultimately uh, every opportunity that we, we go, we believe that, you know, 26 guys are going to be crucial to, achieving our goal. So we're definitely excited um, to, to look forward to that and excited to do my part um, in that process. I'm going to get a little personal now, Sean. How does a guy like you handle maybe some of your best friends in soccer who don't make their national team for this? How do you talk to them after you've made it? Obviously, they're clearly disappointed. How does that go down? Yeah, you know, obviously it's a, it's a moment that I think we've all been, um, you know, waiting, waiting a long time for. And um, I myself uh, been in that position back in 2014, um, leading up to the World Cup. So I understand, I empathize with those guys, and um, it's it's never easy um, to have discussions or to to be a part of a decision like that. Um, but but again, you know, I've been there, and I think there's um, it's a part of part of the journey. And ultimately, um, you know, when when the roster is selected, I was fortunate to be a part of that roster. It's something I've worked extremely hard for. I think, you know, the group getting together here in Qatar, I think, um, you know, our focus has been now on making sure that we're continuing to strengthen the group and move forward and prepare for, for Wales accordingly. So, um, yeah, that's just my mentality and approach to, to a situation like that. Talking with U.S. men's national team goalkeeper Sean Johnson, who's in Qatar as they get ready for this first match against Wales and a very difficult Group B that really could be anyone's game. Let's talk a little bit about that, Sean. Certainly the United States missing out on the last World Cup is just a devastating blow. We're glad to be back, but that's not really what the U.S. men's national team is, is going for, that you guys want to make a deep run. There's potential here. You could win the group, or frankly, all three of these teams could give you nothing but problems. It's such an even group, it seems. Is that how you guys see this going into these matches with England, Iran, and Wales? Yeah, I think it's, you know, being, being a World Cup, I think, you know, as a group, you know, we have, you know, first and foremost, the, the objective to, to make it out of our group. Um, and then the objective to, to, to put our best foot forward and continue advancing and to, to achieve something special as a group. Um, so, you know, I think you just look at it in two, two different, um, two different goals, two separate goals. Um, just making sure we take it one step at a time and, and one game at a time. We all know, you know, the, the occasion of a World Cup. Um, you know, once you, once you start playing, it's about adapting. It's about all the things that you work so hard as a team to, to grow as your, your anchors and, and your, your personality traits and characteristics that have gotten you to this point. Um, and you can see it push forward and you'll leave everything out there to make sure that you achieve those goals at the end of the day. 
We are talking with Sean Johnson, also of NYCFC. Now, Sean, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I, the Right before the MLS Cup that I broadcast, of course, for LAFC on here on ESPN LA, we talked with goalkeeper John McCarthy, the backup to Maxine Crepeau, just the day before. And he was so focused. He was ready, willing to do whatever it took kind of thing. But, you know, realistically, there wasn't a great chance that he would come in. You also experienced penalties in an MLS Cup final just a year ago. Now, a little different situation with what John faced, but even if you're not, I mean, I guess it just goes back to the cliche. You know, if, even if you're not in the starting 11, you just never know when it comes to, you know, football, what could happen. Yeah, you know, that's, that's football, you know, and uh, I'm super happy for John. Great guy. Great moment for him. Um, you know, my heart goes out to, to Maxime Capo as well. And, um, you know, all, all the best for speedy recovery. Um, but I know John um, has been waiting a long time for, for a moment and uh, happy that it came came in a, in a moment like that in the MLS Cup final. Um, it's, uh, I understand the emotions and, and all the things that he went through, so super happy for him. But, but yeah, ultimately it's about, it's about staying ready. It's about appreciating every single moment, um, you know, no matter, no matter what it is, it's about staying present. Um, and again, um, you know, only, only one goalkeeper can play, but ultimately – um, you know, things happen over the course of uh, 90 minutes. Things happen over the course of a tournament. Um, you just have to be have to be ready. Um, no matter no matter if you're number one, number two, number three. I think it's always always uh, important to, to just stay present and be ready to contribute. Um, like you saw with John, um, tremendous job stepping in there. But um, yeah, that's that's what it takes to to win and, and win championships. Great stuff. One last thing from Sean Johnson, the MLS Cup champion, U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper. Sean, who's the class clown of this group? Because you do have so many veterans, guys like yourself, Tim Ream, some guys who've been around, but you also have so much youth. Who's the class clown of the U.S. Men's National Team? I got my. I think I have a guess. Let's say that uh, we we don't really have a, a class clown. I don't really like that terminology, but we have <laughs> we have so many so many fun so many fun guys with different characteristics and uh, just super laid back. Um, you know, just jovial guys who you know, just are genuinely like fun and energetic to be around you know you got you guys like like weston tim Weah, um you know like deandre you got um you know brendan Aritz and joe scott the list goes on and there's so many different personalities in the group yeah um so so many guys are fun to be around that's what makes it so um so amazing to be such a diverse group and uh and really come together and and, and make such a, a special team so um we'll continue to enjoy each other enjoy the good vibes but obviously maintain the focus on uh, the game coming up on Monday and make sure that we're, we're, we're ready and, um, and, you know, willing to go forward and do whatever it takes to, to get a result. Very professional answer. My answer was Weston McKenney, so I love your answer. And as you said, good luck coming up against Wales, coming up on Monday. Sean Johnson with the U.S. Men's National Team in Qatar. Nothing but the best, Sean, and thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Appreciate it. Sean Johnson, U.S. Men's National Team Keeper, also NYCFC, MLS Cup champion from last season, and he handled penalties for NYCFC. And that, who knows, he may get an opportunity in Qatar with the U.S. Men's National Team. We appreciate him joining us. Still to come, Josh Gross, SoCal News Group, coming up. Interesting uh, take on this U.S.-Wales game. Of course, it has to do locally with LAFC. All that coming up next. It's the Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Welcome back, Road to the Cup on ESPNLA. Dave Denholm with you, and joining me now on the show, we are super pumped to have him. He is Josh Gross from the SoCal News Group. He covers LAFC, knows all things about soccer in Southern California and beyond. Josh, good to talk to you here about the World Cup, buddy. 
Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Dave. Hope you're well. Josh, you got an interesting uh, story that we want everybody to keep an eye out for with the SoCal News Group, and that is, the, of course, the emphasis of U.S. versus Wales in this first game for the United States coming up on Monday. But it's it's the LAFC connection, of course, as well as we dive deeper in, and you know this as well as anyone or better. It's Kellen Acosta, Gareth Bale. You're writing a, a story about these two and kind of this with the emphasis on this uh, this rivalry of teammates, if you will, in the first game of the World Cup for both. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing how it's played out uh, for, for both of them. I mean, clearly Gareth Bale is the guy who gets all the shine. And if you follow all the uh, U.S. men's national team uh, media coming into the tournament, I mean, I think Kellen Acosta did a media day on the 15th. Uh, literally everyone asked him about Gareth Bale and he's just like, yeah, that's the question of the day, isn't it? Gareth Bale. But th- those two guys have had a lot of fun. Uh, when Bale made his introduction to LAFC, uh, in, in July, you know, there was banter back and forth, USA, Wales. It died down during the season. They would focus on the club, but uh, as the tournament got closer, it, it picked up a little bit and, and Kellen dropped some dimes in terms of, you know, the banter, what it was like, you know, he, he basically promised, uh, Gareth that if they were in the field together, that Gareth should be expected to be kicked by him. Uh, he, even said uh, in training as the as the, the the World Cup got closer that basically if if it came down to it like Kellen was going to rough him up so you know there's some there's some friendliness in there obviously but some seriousness too that these are serious uh, competitors who are eyeing uh, first in their career opportunity. Josh, of course, Mario and I close with the team. We see a certain angle of it. You're close in terms of your coverage of LAFC. You're all over it for the SoCal News Group, but you still have that objectivity maybe that even you know, we lack at times in a certain way because of the relationships we have. How do you see this having these two, not just these two, but with Gareth especially coming in, really focused on Wales and made no bones about that as he came into LAFC? How is it translated with his teammates? Um, you know, I don't think that that's been uh, an overriding factor. Everything uh, you've heard about Gareth Bale from the front office to the coaching staff to the his teammates – is that even though he may not have contributed as much as people would have liked on the field outside of obviously that game time goal in the MLS Cup, which was uh, absolutely wild, um, you know, he was a professional and he came in every day and did his work and showed what, uh, you know, that meant and, and what it meant to be an elite competitor in the world stage. And I, I think, and this was my observation from the outside, um, it, it felt like Gareth's priority was making sure that he was healthy for Wales. And I, maybe that's unfair to him. Uh, he has definitely talked about how over the last few weeks, uh, you know, it was hard mentally uh, to handle that, to make sure that he would be there for his nation in the biggest stage possible, but also deliver for uh, LAFC and make sure that he was available if Steve Trenolo called on him. So um, that was the the one thing that I, I feel like felt like the overriding sense of what Gareth Bale, uh, his time uh, at LAFC was about was being prepared for the World Cup, showing up and making sure that he, he was there. And, you know, mission accomplished on that end. He, he said uh, this week, uh, basically, that he can play three full 90-minute matches if he had to, which is something that LAFC fans couldn't, couldn't imagine. But, you know... The, the bottom line is he's a big-time player, and everybody acknowledges he's a big-time player, one of the most decorated players in world football. Uh, and so I think when it's that stage, they expect him to shine and, and step up. He certainly did it for LAFC, and I think, uh, as Steve Trenolo has noted many, many times, he hopes that that does not happen against the U.S. on Monday. 
It was glorious. It was glorious for the black and gold. Now it scares me uh, to no end. I'm having nightmares about Gareth Bale for Wales in this first game. We're talking with Josh Gross, SoCal News Group. He covers LAFC and soccer. And uh, Josh, as we take a look at the bigger picture for these two sides, Wales has not been in the World Cup for 64 years. Such an amazing story. It only feels like 64 years for us United States fans since we missed out on 2018. So we're glad to be back. Kellen's been a big part of that, of course. Kellen Acosta, the LAFC midfielder. How about this first matchup, not only for these guys, but for their teams? This seems to me to be a massive game in Group B right out of the jump. I think any first game in the group stage is really important for getting out of the group. I mean, if you look at the statistics, it shows that if you get those three points, your your chances of going through are exponentially greater. So, I mean, that just makes sense. It sets up the rest of the tournament. Uh, and as far as the group stage goes, this is a this is a major match. And for the U.S., you're right. It does feel like 64 years. I mean, I you know I remember exactly where I was, the spot I was standing in 2018 when they did not qualify. Um, you know, it's, it was hard to imagine because for, you know, people of, you know, soccer fans in the U.S. over the last 25, 30 years, they've kind of gotten used to it. And, uh, you know, we're, of course, we're in the World Cup. And then not to be in there uh, was a reminder of how difficult that road is, especially through CONCACAF. Uh, you mentioned Kellen Acosta. He was a major part of the U.S. men's national team qualifying run. Uh, he played, what, 21 or 22 matches in 2021 for Greg Berhalter and showed up big as they ran through the Gold Cup. I mean, he, he's a regular contributor but i think he's really really underestimated um and you you can get why he's not the flashiest he doesn't score a bunch of goals he just does the work and and does it well and and is uh familiar and conscious of the small details that you need to be in in order to uh really um perform for your nation or your club at the highest level so i I think that they're better with kellen Acosta in the field now who are you going to take off i don't know there are perhaps some sexier players out there some guys maybe with a little bit more skill here and there but just in terms of like a cohesive presence I I always think that they're better when he's on it's hard if you have him and Tyler Adams because they're similar players but uh, I think Kellen can certainly contribute in this tournament he should be expected to and you know for Wales it's I mean, you're looking at a squad that is battle-tested. They made it to the semifinals of the Euros in 2016, uh, had a good run in 2020, had to go through this playoff to make the World Cup and beating Ukraine in the moment they beat Ukraine. I mean, I would not think that they're going to give the U.S. an inch. This is a young U.S. team with not much of experience. So tough one, tough first game, but I think it's a matchup that the UFC, uh, sorry, that the uh, that the U.S. men's national team should feel comfortable with stylistically. Uh, uh, Wales likes to not quite park the bus, but they have a strong defensive back line. They look for the counter, and that's uh, coming through CONCACAF. That's something that they would know pretty well. I think it sets up well for the U.S., but uh, a draw would not at all surprise me. I think that's yeah, probably you the know, direction it's headed. And you talk about a draw in the first match, and maybe, you know, certainly you're looking at a tough game with England. But I think Kellen Acosta could be kind of that unheralded guy you might see that plays a massive role in a game against Iran if you need the full three points, let's say, in game three. And, of course, there's possibility of yellow cards having a factor in the first couple or guys getting tired. To skin. You know, this World Cup is coming at a, an interesting time, to say the least, so we don't know about everybody's like full fitness and things like that. Uh, Kellen could be a massive part of that. And he has been a massive part, as you said, getting us to this point. Gareth Bale with Wales, Josh, I think one of the things that people, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but if we go a little deeper, one of the things I think people get a misconception of, this is not like Erling Holland in Norway. This is not, you know, George Weah back in the day carrying his national team and couldn't, you just couldn't quite get to the world cup. 
And Gareth Bale has a lot of help around him. This is a good Wales team. Quality team, experienced team. As I said, battle tested, and they've been together for a long time. This is this is a group that's uh, won things, competed for things together. So uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Like I said, all the all the shines on, on Gareth. I mean, you have some familiar names throughout the team as well that people would know. Uh, but you know, I, I think the easy media narrative is Gareth Bale, and I don't think there's any doubt that he has to perform well for for Wales to get through. Uh, if they have any hope of getting through the group, I mean, you know, Gareth Bale's got to show up. And I would think that limiting what he can do on the field, um, you know, that that would be helpful for the U.S. men's national team. That's one of the things that that Kellen is really sort of, you know, has good insight into, right? I mean, it, he would know as well as anybody what uh, Gareth is doing well right now, what he's not doing well right now, what his tendencies are. Not a lot of mystery about Gareth Bale. There's obviously quite a lot of film on him, right? He's, he's played in some big matches. People have watched him for a while. But uh, I think that confidence uh, of there's no mystery. Whereas, like, you know, if 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 Gareth Bale was – uh, not a player who's as familiar just from a teammate standpoint, you know, maybe he comes in looming larger. Maybe he's someone that you have to really keep an eye on. You feel, and you lose sight of other people. I think uh, the expectations around Bale for the U S men's national team are grounded in the reality that it's a team game that they have to uh, uh, you know, really play not only Bale, but everybody else in the field. And then the way that the U S approaches the match, like it works for them. They like possession. They want to have the ball. Wales will let them have the ball. So, you know, I, I think there's some comfort level in the, in the contest, even though you've got to be keen on, on Gareth Bale and you have to keep an eye out. And, you know, there's always that, there's always that chance. I think as people were reminded on November 5th, that he can do something spectacular out of nowhere. And it's hard to account for that. It really is. Josh Gross, SoCal News Group. Check out that work, Acosta versus Bale, U.S. versus Wales. Good stuff, as always, talking with you, Josh. Thanks so much for joining us on Road to the Cup. Hey, thank you, Dave. Enjoy the Cup. You too. Take care. Josh Gross from SoCal News Group joining us here on Road to the Cup. Still to come on Road to the Cup, we'll take a look at Group A and the second match of that Group A coming up. U.S., Wales, we know of, and England and Iran, breaking that all down, plus stoppage time, all that, still so much more. Stay with us. It's Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you as we highlight all the action from the World Cup 2022 in Qatar. We're going to be with you each and every day, Monday through Friday. We'll also have another special Sunday edition like this one later in the tournament as well. But Monday through Fridays. Every day right here on ESPN LA. Speaking of ESPN LA, they, along with our friends at Estrella Jalisco, are giving you a great opportunity. Going to have some watch parties for L Tree, beginning with their first Group C match coming up on Tuesday. That's November 22nd against Poland. L Tree taking on the Poles. And it'll be at Ola Restobar in Covina on Citrus. And then at Biggs in Fullerton on State College Boulevard there. It'll be watch parties going on for that match in both locations. Again, brought to you by Estrella Jalisco and ESPN LA. They'll also have watch parties coming up for that big Mexico-Argentina game and wrapping up Group C with Mexico and Saudi Arabia coming up on Wednesday the 30th. So just keep it right here. We'll give you details on where those watch parties are going to be as well. All of it, again, brought to you by our friends at Estrella Jalisco. One game, of course, already in the books on this first day of the World Cup. The host, Qatar, fall to Ecuador. Coming out of Conmid Ball, Ecuador had a very good qualifying for this tournament. They are fully deserved, and they had a nice win. A couple of inter-Valencia goals early, and really just kind of upset Qatar enough that 
the host side just couldn't get in the match. Ecuador fully deserved it. They just took it right to them and get the 2-0 win. That's what we're looking for out of the United States. Now, might be a whole different ball game in Group B tomorrow in action on Monday. England and Iran at 5 a.m. Pacific time. And then it's, uh, sandwiched in between of that U.S., Wales, and England, Iran is Netherlands and Senegal, also in Group A. That's another interesting match, oh, by the way. But really, it's about this Group B for us. So let's talk. Let's take a deeper look here. We talked a little bit about it. Greg Berhalter's side coming into this one, the youngest team, taking on a Wales club that's really, it's not a one-man show. It's not just Gareth Bale. He's not like Gareth Wales, okay? I mean, yes, they rely heavily on Gareth Bale, LAFC forward, no doubt. The former Real Madrid guy carried them oftentimes, including the playoff. He got the game-winning goal in the playoff against Ukraine to drive them into the World Cup. They come out of a group with Belgium, so you figured Wales would have to go through the playoff if they were going to make it, and they did. And they got through. And Gareth Bale had five goals in World Cup qualifying for them. Aaron Ramsey's another good player, three goals. Uh, Wilson assists. You know, uh, Wilson's a good player. Uh, But this Wales team can be beat. No two ways about it. If you stop Gareth Bale, then that goes a lot longer towards beating this team defensively. And that's going to really what it's going to come down to. I believe the United States in this game, in this first match against Wales, they can't win the game in the first half. They could lose it in the first half. But they could definitely win this game in the second half. Depth, you know, the, just the, the, the youth of this team, they can win this match in the second half if they play well throughout. And I think that's what's going to happen in this game. I do believe it's a, a crucial match in, in Group B. Not to say England-Iran isn't, but even even if England, you know, even if the English came out and struggled a little bit against Iran, I'd still think they can get through. Now, if they come out and lose 2-3-0 to Iran, well, there might be bigger problems for Gareth Southgate. That's not going to happen. But even if England kind of came out and struggled against Iran, even getting just a draw, I think the English can turn this around. They're the favorites in Group B. But you've heard me talk about it in, in former World Cup shows that we've had here on ESPN LA. Every time, te- guys, just take a look. Men and women who are prognosticating, or even just regular fans, they take a look. Oh, the European sides. Oh, well, of course they're going to go through. That's just... Look, is it likely that a European team goes very far in this and maybe even wins this tournament? Yes. The very best of the European sides are always going to have a great chance. But so many European teams flounder and fail too. Their qualifying is not as difficult as everybody makes it out to be. Right? England's Go check England's qualifying group, please. It was a cakewalk for England. Now, they again, a great team. They really have a chance to win this whole tournament, no doubt. But they could also fall flat on their face in this tournament. Would it really shock anybody in Group B if any of these two teams made it out? Any of the four teams, you know, any two of the four made it out? Not really. Yes, Iran is maybe the underdog of the group. But Carlos Kirosh has this side playing very well defensively. And I think as long as they don't pull a Qatar in this first match against England, they'll be right there. And by that, I mean, don't over, you know, like overestimate this first match, like the first 10, 15 minutes. Just take your time if you're Iran. Settle in. Don't panic like Qatar did. Felt like Qatar was trying to win the World Cup in the first 5, 10 minutes against Ecuador, and it totally backfired. You cannot do that. You can blow your tournament pretty quickly, and maybe Qatar did that. 
But don't go panicking. Don't go running around like a, a chickens with your heads cut off here against England because they'll take advantage of that. Iran just needs to settle in. That's going to be a difficult match. But USA-Wales, most people think this is the game for either of these teams to get out of the group. In other words, the three points for either of these sides in this match goes a very long way towards vaulting you into the round of 16 knockout stage. And I don't disagree with that. That's what it's going to come down to. But the United States can't panic either. We have a young team, no doubt. But these guys all realistically are playing at a high level. All of them. Walker Zimmerman's been one of the best defenders in MLS for a while. He's going to anchor the back line. I don't care what goalkeeper we have. We talked with Sean Johnson earlier this show. I don't care who starts in goal. We're fine in goal. I have no fear of that. I love our midfield. It's tough. It's resilient. They get up and down the pitch. There's speed. There's quickness up front. Yeah, we need a number nine to do well. I I think it's going to be Jesus Ferreira. Should we have brought Ricardo Pepe? If I was Greg Berhalter, I would have brought him over Haji Wright. But again, you're haggling over the 25th or 26th spot. Okay. And Wright's having a fine season in Turkey. So I got no beef really with that. Yeah, but again, that's not a guy you're expecting to start or really count on. It's going to have to be Jesus Ferreira and the guys around him creating goals for themselves, including Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic. I think they're going to have to have big tournaments, no question. Where will the goals come from for the U.S.? That is a big key. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, if you have your thoughts on this. And predictions, I want to know, for this USA-Wales match, and even England-Iran, what happens in Group B? Because everybody's kind of like England and then the winner of USA-Wales. Yeah, that could be a recipe for what we're going to see. I wouldn't disagree. So it's going to be a big one. We'll talk more about that, of course, on the show tomorrow, breaking everything down. But we've still got minutes left. Fourth official letting us know we've got a few minutes left here. It is time for stoppage time. Our great producer, Mario Rees. Hey, buddy. How are you, man? A couple of minutes here added on, Dave. About three or four <laughs> minutes here, Dave. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. on the ESPN FC. Argentina and Uruguay's national teams have each taken 2,000 pounds of meat with them to the World Cup so the players and staff can feel you know comfortable, have a taste of home there during the tournament in Qatar. Now, Dave, if you had to build your own menu there in Qatar, what is like one or two foods that, that you would bring with you to Qatar? Yeah, first of all, if I was on the staff of one of those, 2,000 pounds would not be enough for a whole tournament. So we got that going for us. But second of all, yeah, Mario, this is a great question. You know me. I love my food. So first of all, it would be pupusas. They're the ah. best, food, best food in the history of the world. So not a bad choice at all, Dave. We got going there. Pupusas. I would probably bring, you know, truly El Salvadoran chefs and everything and just make it, you know. For a month, I could eat. I could eat those for a month. I could eat those for years at a time. That's fine. Yes. But I also, you know, honestly, I love Mexican food. It goes a long way because there's so much that you can choose from. That would be fine yeah. by me. But I don't mind, you know, Argentina and Uruguay. They've got some of the best beef in the world. I can't fault them for bringing steaks and beef and all, you know. No two ways about that. That's It's, it's top quality. There's so many good choices, so many great food countries in this world. You were talking Cup. about uh, Mexican food, Dave. I would take some ceviche with me, some fresh ceviche. Fine oh, by me. Man. The only problem is, man, you got to make sure it's fresh every day, right? you got 30-plus oh, yeah. days. That fish better be, be fresh. Like, fish better be primo. Otherwise, you could, you know, you don't want any little food. Po- I mean, I'm not saying that would happen. 
But you got to mix it up a little bit too. And I love that you can I – mean, Mexican food goes a long way. I, I, there's so many choices. But I definitely have pupusas and Mexican food, I think, for my whole tournament life there. And, then we just and you know there. they're not allowed to drink beer, obviously. That's the big news coming out yeah. of Qatar. But I would drink some – I would take my mate. You know me. I like my yerba mate. <laughs> you, so I'm drinking would. that. Now I have no problem sure. with the no alcohol. Yeah, I'm just an iced tea guy. You know, just a little lemon in it. That's fine. Uh, I think we go a long way. With all of that. That's great stuff, Mario. That's stoppage time with the great producer of this show, Mario Reyes. And, uh, yeah, it goes fast, just like most stoppage time, especially when you're trailing in a game. Let's hope the United States is not doing against Wales. I'm going to lay out a couple quick predictions here. USA-Wales, 2-1 United States. And I don't think it's really going to be particularly close. I think the U.S., as long as they don't panic early, will control that match. England-Iran, I'm going to say 1-1 here if Iran doesn't uh, throw this match away in the first half. I really believe they can get something out of this, but England's just warming up. Still the team to beat in the group. Netherlands-Senegal, nice match there. I think Netherlands are one of the top teams in this tournament. Didn't talk much about them. Senegal's feisty to play, and they're really decent, but losing Sadio Mane hurts them in terms of offense. They're still a decent team without him. But I think uh, Netherlands will have their way in that one, too, Neil. That's going to do it for Road to the Cup. Join us each and every day of the World Cup, Monday through Friday, right here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA.